Welcome everyone to another episode of My Mortality Matters, the voices and lives of black men. As you know already, this podcast for me was started out um, due to the death of George Floyd. And I felt at that time that I need to do something. And this is my something that I am doing. And through this podcast, I am interviewing um, black men from all over the country, black men uh, vary in occupations, jobs, careers, sexual identities, um, relationship status, um, just to show that A, black men are not monolithic and that black men, we are amazing, superb, um, superb created individuals. And we have a lot of life to live and a lot of stories to tell and a lot of experiences to share. And so today I'm super excited to have my guest Nick Townsend on today. Um, Nick will come on in a few minutes to tell you a little bit about himself, but I will tell you that I, I've known Nick for a little while and he has um, amazing work in the community. Uh, he makes women and men look amazing. Uh, and so Nick, how are you today? I am well, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. So I'm glad you're able to join me today and um, get this finally on the books here. Yes. So tell us a little about yourself. What do you do and all that stuff? All right. Uh, of course, I am Nick Townsend. I am a licensed uh, esthetician here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, have been for the last 18 years. Um, I have, I am an entrepreneur. Um, I have had my salon for six years, but I've been an entrepreneur uh, for a little over 10 years. Um, I specialize in brow shaping. I'm affectionately known throughout the country and abroad as the Brow King. Um, Let's see. Um, I think that's about it. You know, I'm curious curious about the Brow King. How'd you get that title? Well, Okay. Um, at first, well, here in Philly, I'd won Best of Philly for uh, for Philadelphia Magazine as uh, for for brow shaping and for makeup artistry. Um, and when I got on Instagram, um, I kind of blew up, and they started calling me the Brow King. Um, I'm in a female dominating industry, and you know, when you think of someone doing brows, you usually are thinking about someone at a nail salon doing brows and it's usually women so they coined me the brow king because of the uh the work so and i have accepted it and um in accepting it i am still reigning so (laughs) (laughs) i'm not going anywhere (laughs) well that's great so how did you get involved in the industry because as you said as you alluded to earlier it's really an industry of women so how did you find yourself in this space um um let's see i grew up in a barber shop um, i'm the son of a barber and so the beauty industry has always is kind of um, embedded in me um my background is in, in fine in fine arts so while i was at undergrad at morgan state university um my major was music after that, I moved to Philly because I fell in love with skincare. Um, kind of playing in my mother's as a child, my mother's um, skincare. She always wore Avon masks and things like that. So I found myself doing it. Uh, working at a hair salon, um, I end up getting a facial. 
and by an esthetician. And when I went and got a facial, I'm like, I already do this. I do this for myself. I didn't know that this was really a career. And so um, from that, I moved to Philly to actually go to aesthetic school. From aesthetic school, I was only supposed to stay for six months, but six months turned into 18 years. So, um, and my uh, with aesthetic school, if many of you that don't know what that is, we focus on skincare, microdermabrasion, all body waxing and body treatments and things of that nature. And I wanted to focus on brows. And so me focusing on brows, me having that niche um, has taken me extremely far. Wow, that's great. And why did you choose brows to focus on? As Yeah, why, yeah, why there? Well, when I was in school, I was in school and I had found, um, we had learned waxing that Friday and I was working at a hair salon here in Philly and I asked my boss, I said, listen, I learned how to do brows. Can I do brows, you know, to make some extra money? And that was on a Saturday and I never looked back and I really started paying attention to um, bone structure of people's face and, you know, understanding that, you know, brows are the only feature on your face to give you your frame of symmetry. So I wanted to uh, make sure that everyone's face was somehow symmetrical. So that <laughs> without makeup so um that is how i kind of got into it and, I, and you know i stuck with it and here we are now well i never knew that brows gave you um symmetrical about your face maybe i should come and get my brows done yeah well what happens is no one's face is really symmetrical except models and so the only way to get the balance you know, here's the one type of thing that I always say is that symmetry equates to beauty in the human eye. You know, for instance, if you're hanging curtains with two windows, mm -hmm. if one is lopsided, you are not, it's not pleasing to the eye, but when they are leveled and they are at the same height, the same place, they're symmetrical, it's positioned, it seems perfect. So your brows on your face, actually, if one side of your face is a little bit higher than the other, if the brow placement is, um, it makes your entire face um, symmetrical. The illusion that it's symmetrical, I should say. That is skill. I am super excited to know that information. I'll definitely make a point <laughs> and get my brows done. <laughs> yes, sir. That's, that's really that's really powerful. So, how did you find your? Uh, so you in the you in the industry now? How was that when you when you received? Did you receive any um, discrimination as a result of being a male in the female dominated industry? Absolutely. That's why I moved to Philly. Um, uh, originally, I, I'm from Baltimore and I went to I wanted to go to the top school in the country, which was located in Baltimore. Um, they're no longer open. Their name is it was Von Lee Aesthetics. And so when I went to enroll, they just didn't want me. They didn't want a man, you know, because their you know, male estheticians was never heard of. They, they, they were never heard of. So I moved to Philly. Um, to go to aesthetic school because I was here visiting friends and I just went to the school and they said, oh, come on in, we'll accept you. And so from that point, I moved to Philly and finished school, graduated, got my license and so forth. Um, funny story is uh, 10 years later, when um, the world was introduced to Nick Townsend as the brow king and, you know, I was invited to all of the, you know, International Congress of Aesthetics to speak and lecture and so forth, Von Lee gave me a call and they wanted me to come and teach. Wow. And of course, I declined. They, they were going to pay me my honorarium, but I declined. 
So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, that's funny how how things circle around, right? But I think it's also important to hear how you were persistent, persistence in knowing what you wanted to do and not letting someone tell you no, stop your passion, sounds like. Yes. I you, I, I think the one thing that you have to be is um resilient. If it's something that you really, really want to do and you're passionate about it and it's and you can't stop thinking about it, it's the, it is what you're supposed to do. And um, your job is to um, make sure that manifestation happens in your life. And with your clientele, do you see predominantly women or do you have men come into your office, your practice <laughs> as well? Yeah, we have, um, well, of course, 95, not of course, but 95% of our clientele are women we do have some we do have men that come in from all walks of life um you know fourth thing in, in the beauty industry a lot of men think that it is has something to do with sexuality uh, when mm-hmm. it's all about just being polished um you don't have to get your brows quote unquote arched like a woman but if you um for instance, if you do what I call a man brow and clean up the top of your brow, it, act, it actually opens up your face for black men to make sure um, shape up look a lot a lot sharper. In addition to that, it just makes an overall polished look. So we, we have 5% men that come. Okay. All right. Good. And so shifting, so thinking about as a black man living in America, um, and we have, you know, we've heard a lot of stories and we've seen a lot of information around and violence around black men and police and all those things. Um, how has that impacted you um, as you think about it for yourself? You know, if I can be very honest, I try, I've tried to um, ignore some of it because um, I'm a person that I can kind of deal with anxiety. I suffer from anxiety every now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it has impacted because, you know, um, I've... You you, you, you you begin to become fearful you become you begin to become fearful if you get pulled over you know if mm-hmm. you get pulled over you know you're already afraid you know mm-hmm. if you go into um, a certain store and you see you know certain police officers there of a certain nationality you already begin to feel inferior and threatened so um it doesn't happen, happen often, but I know if I get pulled over, um, I can be very honest. I'm almost terrified. If they ask to see my license and registration, I will always say to the police officer, can you go into my glove compartment? Can you go? No, it's fine. No, can you go into my glove compartment? <laughs> because, I mean, we've heard the stories, you know. They, right. if, if, you know, if my wallet is to the right of me or if my phone is to the right of me and it's stuck between the seat, you know, I, can you unbuckle my seatbelt? So it is, it, it, it causes us to, it, for me, it has caused me to be just a little fearful in addition to that, especially um, to my uh, my nephews. Uh, my brother has uh, seven sons and I'm very scared for them because some of them are hotheads. So I get very nervous. So, yeah. And so when you talk to the police about, hey, my wallet is in my ID is in my glove box and registration in the glove box, what do they say to you? Do they, do they do it for you? Do they say, sir, take it out yourself? It's okay. What's the most process the, for that? Most of the time, it's like, sir, everything is fine. Um, sir, nothing's going to happen. Um, you're fine. And so it'll all usually, just, just in my experience, it doesn't happen often, but they'll mm-hmm. look to 
they'll be on the passenger side and then they'll also be on the driver's side and i will say okay no problem i am take i am i'm buckling my seatbelt, you know um or at one point in time i would can can you open the door so you can watch me you know i just i i just i don't want to you know i want to go home to my mother you know so yeah. they would usually you know they they would see that i'm being compliant and be with me being compliant i guess i'm not a threat you know but yeah. let's let's just park there real quick the other thing is what's annoying is depending on what kind of car you drive the always the question is is this your car yeah 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 i've heard that happen yeah some, yeah has that been your experience that has been my experience it has been my experience where they have asked me sir is this your car and i'm like yes sir it's my car my li- i have my license and my registration yeah it happens it, it has happened quite a few t- it, well every every t- yeah it's happened i'll see. I, I, yeah, it's happened a lot. <laughs> That's just it. <laughs> okay. And so, how does it feel for you to be in your car and then questioned about is this car belong to you? Do you feel, are you offended? Or are you like, I am offended. I don't reside in a place of looking to be offended or looking to be um, or anticipating um, uh, being, um, what is the word that I want to use? Um, profiled a certain way, you know. Um, but I know in that instance, I am being profiled. I'm not. I'm, I'm very aware of that. I try to ignore it, but I'm very aware of it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's that's, that's really unfortunate. That, that happens a lot um, to a lot of men in the community. And so earlier you mentioned you, your your brother has seven sons, and I guess yes. when you think about him with his sons. Did your parents talk to you about being a black man, growing up as a black boy in America? Did they give you any tips for survival or just how to how to be a black guy? Well, I, they I was taught that you because I'm a black man growing up in this world that I have to work harder. That is what I was taught. I was taught that I had to work much harder to get ahead. You know, education was the only way to get ahead. I was going to, you know, I was indirectly taught that um, other nationalities were not for me. And that was based upon the experiences of both of my parents, um, both born, one born in the 40s and one born in the 30s. So um, their experience is very much different than my experience. So, um, but I was just, I, I was basically taught to, that that I had to work much harder to get ahead um, uh, or to be on the same playing field, if you will, with um, other nationalities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it sounds like from, from your work that you took that and you really, that really went, went home for you in a way. Well, I, I you know, what I did was I paid attention to um, my mom. Um, I paid attention to both of my parents, but my mom was a person that worked smart. So um, I like to think that I worked smart and I don't think that I was concerned about trying to get ahead of anyone. I've always been in my own lane and I've always, even, you know, even as a child growing up, they wanted me to do different things or wanted me to be a certain way. And I'm just like, no, I have to be me. So I never was 
trying to get ahead of someone or trying to be on the same playing field as someone, I just always had to be Nick. So I I, I, I just worked smart and I just had to be myself. I, I, I'm not in competition with anyone else. And I, I understood that at a young age. Yeah, I think that's important. And when you say like your mom works smart and you work smart, can you clarify what work smart means? I think that um, many times we feel that when people say you got to work hard, you got to work hard, that is intimidating and not compelling at all. It's it, <laughs> it, it, it can cause you to not want to work at all. Right. You right. know, what, yeah. because you're threatened and you anticipate working hard when you work smart. Um, it's like, okay, I'm going to be strategic. Working smart causes you to strategize. Um, for instance, my mom, um, she went to um, working for the state of Maryland as a typist clerk. And what she decided to do was sit back and learn everyone's job. So when someone went sick or if someone went or if her boss went ill and they needed to know who could step in, it was always said, oh, Marlo can do it. And when they saw her do it, and she did it well, exceptionally well. She always moved in her career, so that is something that I got. I, I, I got from her. That I think that is working smart. Working smart is being strategic um, yeah. and intentional. I don't work hard. No, not too cute to work hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that because I think you know the idea of, like working smarter, not harder, right? So being able right. to think about strategizing, collaborating with other people, planning yes. ahead in some cases, and not mm-hmm. just doing the grind yourself every single day in that capacity. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's great. That's good. So I wonder when you think about like work tree, how do you feel like um, sexual identity um, plays a part there? In my industry, sexuality, um, it is beneficial. <laughs> Um, in my industry, um, because um, most women prefer, um, because it's a female-dominated industry, and I'm talking about the customers, mm-hmm. prefer, um, and since we're talking about sexuality, most women prefer a gay man to do their hair, a gay man to do their makeup, a gay man to do anything that pertains beauty. Um, for some, uh, for, I, they feel... I would say they feel that gay men are, are, are honest and they're going to make you look your best. So mm-hmm. it's um, now the downside to that is the female, the other um, colleagues, the female uh, makeup artists and the female hair uh, cosmetologists, hairdressers, um, seemingly don't like the gay. Um, the gay males that are doing the same thing that they do because they feel that the customer would prefer this gay male over them even if the woman is as equally talented or even or even better so Mm -hmm. that is just one of those things in the industry yeah i guess that that sounds surprising to me in the sense of like uh, not surprising in the sense that people you know believe that um gay men can uh help them look better and all that stuff that's not surprising part i guess the the part of how you are people are treated by other um uh people in your office other salon people how you're treated by them in the in the industry in the sense of like are you here to take away their business in some capacity they get nasty it it gets very nasty 
and they they begin to pick you apart and they try to find things and try to discredit you in some way shape or form it, it's not all but i have seen it um, right 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 social media um instagram and tiktok it it, it can get very brutal mm-hmm. and how are you finding social media uh, how's that impacting your business do you do you think people that's a necessity to have uh instagram tiktok facebook page in in the industry Absolutely. I think that um, my career was word of mouth and I was uh, well known and if you want to say popular here in Philadelphia and in the tri-state area, um, that was word of mouth and being and being connected to the right people. Um, but so but with social media, Facebook and TikTok and and Facebook, um, that allows you to be introduced to the world. You know, anyone can, if you're, if you're hashtagging eyebrows and so many people like your particular picture that you post or your video, anyone and everyone can see it. So I, for me, it has impacted my business greatly. Um, you know, we, we, we uh, retail our own product line as well as our own uh, consumer product line and professional line. And with because of social media, our products are all throughout the country and abroad. We have people, you know, clients, in, I mean, customers in Canada, you know, some in Ireland. You know, had it not been for those platforms, I would have probably had to pay, uh, you know, or go, you know. So Instagram, mm-hmm. all of these platforms, I think are, is very important, honestly, for any industry. And so when you think about what what products do you have? What products do you have out on the market so people can like maybe pick those up in their in their time? Um, we have our consumer products are um, we have the Nick Townsend signature brow collection. We have our own line of uh, brow pencils. They're very unique, um, not like any other pencil on the market. Our just to say this, our particular brow pencil has castor, coconut oil, and um, castor oil, all of these oils help stimulate hair growth. And so we're the only product line um, that has that technology. Um, we have our highlighter pencils, everything that involves um, brows um, we have for the, for, you know, I'll say the dummy client that doesn't wear makeup because that's the client that we really compel. We also have for our um professional line with a third company in the country to have a dye a demi-permanent with the first company to have a demi-permanent dye for brows and lashes um, that is used for professional use so with a third company in the country to have a dye specifically to dye brows and lashes but with the first for demi-permanent um, color and I'm happy to say this we are the first black owned company to have a dye system um, that is that's throughout the country and abroad yep. oh, that's phenomenal you're doing phenomenal work about the world <laughs> yeah no <laughs> i think it's great to hear it as you are you know you're first in the country for this third in the country for that but they have mm-hmm. to think about like how your how because of your resilience um, yes and and not stopping and being told no initially has mm-hmm. really allowed you to expand yourself throughout the world. So I think that's, that's phenomenal. So I, I, I applaud that. Thank you. Um, from you. 
So also when we think about like this idea of like black men and sexuality and sexual identity, I want to talk a little bit about stigma and internalized homophobia, right? So Ooh. when we think about um, a lot of communities and we know in some in the black communities, not all, so we're not gonna say all black people, but we know some black people in the community um, have, are not as nice or have a lot of stigma around towards gay people. Um, yes. what, do you, what do you think about that? How has that impacted your life in any, in any way? Um, born in the 80s. I was born in 1980. And so I think the parents of the children of born in the 80s came up, they were brought up thinking to view gay men or um, gay women as in that way was gay men and uh, lesbians um, molest children. That is the stigma. So um, I remember hearing about that as a child, it being alluded. And I remember, um, I think it was 20, 22 years old, and I had a, I have uh, two goddaughters. Um, their parents married and were my best friends at the time. And uh, a famous comedian that, ever, well, she's, this comedian's on Instagram. Um, her aunt was at the church and I, um, we all went to the same church and um, we had, my, my goddaughter needed to be changed. And so her parents said, can you, Nick, can you go change the baby? So I went to change her. And when I was down changing her, this particular woman said to both of them, why are you letting him change her? And so they're looking, but what are like, why? That's her other dad. What is, you know, and, and, she, and the mother was like, well, why can't he? She was like, it's obvious. But what's obvious? What's obvious? And, wow. Yeah, what's obvious? And she was like, you know, he's, you know. And so when I, when I heard that, I was so hurt um, because it still exists that, you know, just because of who you think I am, you've associated um, a um, a profile to me that is untrue. So right. that is um, that was it, it had never left me, and I and I and I never spoke to her ever again. Never spoke to, and they never spoke to her ever again. It was it was it, it was very it was saddening. But you know, she, unfortunately, she comes from that era that that's what you're taught. You know, um, yeah. that's what was taught, and that's what they believed, and they stood um, 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 steadfast on it. Yeah, that's unfortunate, dude, because the idea, like, and that's misinformation, too. Like, when we think about, like, if people believe that uh, gay men molest children, research and evidence will show you that majority of people who are molesting kids are heterosexual men. Yes. Um, and predominantly white men in most cases. So it's mm -hmm. important that people have their facts correct. But also thinking when we think about how um, the assumptions of who a person is and what their sexual identity means about how they can take care of a baby or they can take care of themselves is mm -hmm. really, I think, saddening overall, you know, for, yes. for all of us, right? So how do you, how have you been able to like move through some of those moments um, and not, you know, I know it hurt you, but not, but not getting stuck in those times of kinds of things. Um, I'm a person that I say what I, I 
I say exactly how I feel at that moment. Well, when 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 I found going back to that moment, when I found out it was when we had gone home, so I wasn't at that moment, which was a good thing because I have a temper, but I don't confront women. Um, so um, for me, I I don't accommodate foolishness foolishness, uh-huh. and I will not allow anyone to. Um, create a narrative about me that is untrue, especially when you have not experienced that with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, if I can be very honest, I can be, I, I, I can be a hothead. I try mm-hmm. not to be unless mm-hmm. I'm pushed. But I, I no, it, I, it that is that is the only time that it happened. Um, I don't, you know, I've had. I will say one time um, I was in the, um, I remember in the market with my partner and um, there was this woman that was in, in front of us. I don't think he paid attention to it. And she saw us and she brought her son really, really close and looked and rolled her eyes. And at that moment I said, lady, I'm not the one you should be worried about. It should be, it's, it's probably the uncle at home. And she heard me and she said, I wasn't talking about you. I said, how do you know that I'm talking to you? You know, know, when you confront people, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, when you confront people, because I just, I just, I just blurted it out loud looking the other way. And she turned around, how do you know that I'm talking to you? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Guilty, guilty people speak, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Loud and clear most of the time. And so when we think about, you know, black men's sexuality, and I I just want to get your thoughts about this. Um, just see where you are in this space. As you know, Lil Nas X has been um, lately burning up the internet. You know, Instagram, yes. um, social media, his um, new song is going to release um, this upcoming week. And mm-hmm. um, and as he as he's embracing his sexuality in a way I think some people are uncomfortable with his, um, his embrace of his sexuality, what are your thoughts about how Lil Nas X is presenting himself? Is, do you think there's something that people should be concerned about? Or is it about freedom of expression and being who you are, whatever that comes in? I think that we have to think about um, when many of us graduated high school and um, we went to college and we got a sense of freedom. I have to, we, have, we have to think about um, when we've been stuck in school as in, in elementary school all day learning and then we get a recess how we just run and have fun <laughs> yep. so I think that I equate that to little Nas for being mm-hmm. uh, oppressing who he was um, just so that he could win be a superstar and, and, and all of that and suppress and hide who he was um, just so that he could win. And then when he made the decision to say, okay, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. I, this is, I am going to be courageous enough to say, this is who I am and this is who I love. This is who I am. And when you do that, you say it to the world, it is just like being stuck in school, doing what you're told to do, doing the work. And then as soon as the bell rings, after I think you had lunch and then you had recess yeah. the yeah. running that ha- he's having recess and he's running at, yeah. at this moment no at this moment Little Nas is in recess 
And I think that we need to respect that. Because, I've because, heard a lot of things. Go ahead. Fine. Yeah. That. That's so, great. so, so, because, so he's in recess, and when recess is over, he'll probably not go back into the schoolhouse. He's not going to go as he was. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. he's in recess. That's just how I mm-hmm. feel about it. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I've heard a lot of things explained about Lil Nas X, but I have not heard he's in recess. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna yeah. keep that because I think it is about the idea, of, like, um, at the, you know, after suppressing your sexuality for so long, it hasn't for long as he did, and then finally mm-hmm. saying, "This is me." Yes, um, mm-hmm. I can see that he's like taking the lead of people. Here I am. So I think that's mm-hmm. an important factor for people to see. Um, be yourself whatever the cost it is to you, be who you are. And that's yes. what freedom looks like. And it, I think it, that, go ahead. Go ahead. It takes you, courage you. to, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of courage to say, this is who I am. And I think the people that are offended mm-hmm. or in my, in my opinion, can't take him mm-hmm. are people that really admire that he is, he, had the, he was courageous enough to say, this is who I am because they don't have the courage to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's uh yeah, that's good. I like that. Cause I think maybe people are oftentimes maybe seeing something in him they want to see in themselves. It, it could be anything. anything. Yeah, yeah, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be sexuality. It could be right. anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, so when you think about that and we think about like your younger self, right? Mm-hmm. And you are I'm not sure how old you are now, but when you think about younger you and where you are in your life today, what's some things you would have, you would tell that guy now about life? Hello? Yes, uh uh-huh. Oh my God. Oh my God. (sighs) Wait a minute. When you think about your younger self. Hello? Hello? Are you here? Hello? Hello? Hey, Nick? Hey, what happened? Hello. I can hear you. Like um, Lil Nas X, as you were saying, you think about like him now being in recess and him being oppressed as, as a younger kid, perhaps. When we think about our younger selves, that person is always hanging out with us, right? The little kid we were, right? recess in school um, and life before. So if you were thinking about the younger Nick who still hangs out with you, who still lives within you, what's some of the things you would tell him about life today? Um, let's see. I would tell Nick that I would reassure Nick that continuing to be yourself will parachute you to success. Um, 
being told that you're too much pay attention to the people that tell you that you're doing too much or you have to be the center of attention because those people who are saying that you are too much are not even enough um, whoa wait a minute yeah, say, that, say yeah. that again the people that are telling you that you are too much uh-huh. are not even enough wow some would call and, that shady Nick it is shady because when I look, <laughs> it, no, 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 no. It's it's shady, but it's shady, but it is it is my truth and it's real because uh-huh. when I'm I'm talking about my experience and remembering and seeing the faces that said you're doing too much, mm-hmm. it's always those who weren't enough. For yeah. the people that said to me, "Oh, you always have to be the center of attention," I am the center of attention because I compel attention. You're looking, even when I walk into a room. And so um, I would tell that young Nick to remain consistently being himself, remain being resilient. Because, you know, I I will say this, and it's just really short. My mom um, would say, if you ever have a conversation with, with her, she would say, you know, I raised you the best way I knew how. But you all, you you did what you wanted to. You were disrespectful, child. I said, was I disrespectful to you in my words? She said, no, but you just did what you wanted to do. I said, because, and I, and I said this to her, I said, because I needed to be me and not be who be. Because who you thought I should be accommodates your idea of who you think I should be that makes you look good. But me being me makes me feel good, makes me look good, and eventually will make you also proud. I told her that yeah. two years ago. And so, how, did she re- how did she receive that? You know, my mom is 70, at the time she was 71. Um, after I broke it down to her, um, she was in tears. She she accepted she accepted it because, you know, you know my mom and I are very 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 close. Um, some people don't understand our relationship, but she accepted it, and and, and I started to give her a look when she was a child, and from out of the attention off of me, and she understood better. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think sometimes I, it's, I'm glad you're able to share that information because I think sometimes. Um, we have to maybe talk to our parents differently as we age because mm-hmm. parents oftentimes see you as the child they had you were mm-hmm. as a kid but recognizing as an adult the conversation with your parents change yes. and being able to have those real conversations with parents about this is me this is who i am this is why i am what i am i think it helps them learn you and love you differently and even more yes. so i think in most cases absolutely i agree yeah so that's that's very powerful what is one thing you would like people to other black men who hit the podcast to know about about life, about themselves in some ways, like I guess the inspirational thing you would say to black men in the world? Um, life is a template that is given to you. Meaning you know, from 7 to 18, you're in school and the template is, you know, most templates are you go go to college or go in the military. But it is a template 
um, we do have to abide by the laws of the land. However, you create your own world and be courageous enough to create because that's what we do naturally if you really pay attention to it and come and become aware of who you really are mm-hmm. be courageous enough to create and live independently above the good and the negative opinions of others meaning you have to make a decision about you about who you are not what people say you are who they think you are and their opinions and you're nice and you need to make a decision about you and do that independently above anyone else else's opinion good or bad no, I think that's that's important because I think one thing that we do recognize um, that black men are creators and we are sometimes our self-starters as well. Yes. So we think about the great migration of blacks from the South to the North. Mm-hmm. A lot of black men came first for their families and build communities, yes. you know, and start their own businesses. So we are those same, we are those black men today. We're the same men. And so being yes. able to think about creating your own starting out on your own narrative i think it's really mm-hmm. important that you shared that today i agree yeah that's great so i have really enjoyed the time with you is there anything that you want to share with me before, the, before we co- close out our co- podcast today that you haven't shared already um well i will say i appreciate you uh inviting me to this amazing podcast. I appreciate uh, you not only being very friendly, but in your own way, being my therapist for about five minutes when I see you. (laughs) (laughs) You, And then when you give me uh, challenging and empowering information that tears my nerves up and I'm like, okay, I gotta go. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, I know that, that happened. I know you leave sometimes. Like, okay, I'm, I'm not done oh, yet. Like, I gotta go. Yeah, oh no, I'm done because because <laughs> I'll say something and then you'll ask a question and it's always a question that's an empowering question. You'll say, "Well, what can you learn from?" And I'm like, "I can't." You know what? Okay, okay, John, I have to go. You know, I'm gonna go back to work, <laughs> but it sticks with me. And yeah, and yeah. I've never said this to you per, um, in person. I do I do do the work. Especially when we're, you know, when we see each other in the in the barbershop with, you know, right. you know, not feasting all. So it's it's yeah. Um, I just want to say thank you for inviting me, and I'm glad that I finally got a chance to do this podcast. Wow, well, thank you for those kind words. I really appreciate that. Now I'll, I'll work on my uh, my therapeutic space in the barbershop, <laughs> and I will use my language differently when I'm there. But um, fine. No, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Okay. Okay. But again, but thanks again for coming on today. I really appreciate the conversation, and I um, hope that people reach out to you. Um, Nick, Nick, give me your, your Instagram information and then all the information they can find you if they need to for future. All right, I am at um, on Instagram. I'm at Nick Townsend Salon. That's N I C C K. That's two C's, two C's and a K. Townsend T O W N S E N D Salon. Um, I can you can find me for bookings at www excuse me, nicktownsend.com. I am also Nick Townsend, N-I-C-C-K Townsend on Facebook. Um, Those are where you can find me on all of my social media platforms. And yeah, and I'm located in Philadelphia if you're interested in 
an, an appointment or uh, an, an appointment or you want to get products from us, we are at www.nicktownsend.com. Thank you so much. And I tell all of my fellow black men, please go hang out with Nick. I'm going to get my brows done now that I can yes. get me symmetrical. And I am <laughs> looking forward to, to being together. So I yes. appreciate your time today. And thanks again. Thanks again for the time today. All right. Be well. All right. All right, sir. Thank you.